Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with finance presenter JP Ong and joined on the phone by Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX. The SDI started um, pretty well, and it is still in the green, up 0.4% now to 3,176 points. Uh, I don't know about the region because that's JP's job. Tell us about the region, JP. Okay, well, we'll start off with the region uh, as you as you wish. And so far, we're also seeing strong gains for most of the other markets that are open. By the way, Hong Kong has reopened after two days offline. The first one not to their choosing because of that typhoon. Mm-hmm. The second one because of that recent holiday. The Hang Seng opening with solid gains also up by 0.7% to 25,211 points. Mainland Chinese markets looking pretty good today. Zero, uh, Shanghai today gained gaining by 0.3% at 3,568. Shenzhen today trading half a percent higher at 14,413. The South Korean Kospi also looking pretty confident today. In Seoul, the the Kospi is up by about 0.9%, gaining to 3,015 points. And the Taix in Taipei looking very, very optimistic today. We're seeing a 2.3% intraday jump in Taipei to 16,767. Part of that also because Taiwan Semiconductor is seeing a 4.5% surge that's the biggest company out in Taiwan and this after they reported another quarter of strong profits and plans to build a new factory in Japan. They're the uh, also the most heavily weighted offer on the TIEX and this is really what's uh, lifting, seeing the, boosting the solid gains out there. The Nikkei 225 gaining by about 1.5% in Tokyo to 28,991 points and the ASX 200 in Australia also trading about 0.7% higher at 7,362 which brings us back again to the Straits Times Index and yes we're wearing the same shade of green today, up 0.4%, as you mentioned, Clarissa, 12 points higher at 3,176. That's where the SDI is sitting, and three straight days of gains, and also putting to rest any doubts about that recent breach of 3,100. It seems they've, it seems that they've uh, um, put a lot of the, uh, silenced a lot of the doubters so far. Also on the back of 596 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands today, 246 stocks, REITs, and trusts so far trading in the green, 169 in the red, perhaps bolstered in part by that uh, pretty decent uh, GDP report where, where we showed that the Singaporean economy grew by 6.5% year-on-year. Now, that was slightly below what eco- what economists were actually expecting based on those surveyed by both Reuters and Bloomberg separately. But I think what was more telling is that all the major industries in Singapore showed encouraging signs of growth year-on-year for that particular quarter, and also withstanding some of the uncertainties with regards to COVID-19 restrictions, some of the issues with regards to supply chains and inflation. Um, pretty decent uh, growth, at least, for the from the advanced report card for Singapore's economy. You also have to take note of earnings season in the U.S., really bolstering sentiment in Wall Street and maybe filtering to the rest of the market so far today. It was a pretty good day for the for uh, for the Dow Jones Index, gaining by about 1.6 percent. S&P 500 and Nasdaq also rising by 1.7 percent each, and this after a set of pretty good earnings releases or quarterly results from some of uh, the, the biggest U.S. banks, the likes of Morgan Stanley. Stanley, 
notably JP Morgan, Citigroup in recent days, all posting encouraging gains. And this might also just be an underpinning optimism that perhaps earnings will not disappoint and might even impress. We also have to point out that some strategists on Bloomberg have, have also highlighted that analysts who cover some of the STI stocks here have begun upwardly revising their e- forward EPS estimates for the blue chips here in Singapore and also at a better pace than for, than the broader ASEAN uh, conglomerates. And also underpinning that perhaps there's some optimism that uh, the report cards, the business updates and the quarterly results from some of the biggest companies here in Singapore will not disappoint and might even impress, perhaps also heralding that the expectations with the gradual reopening of Singapore will also see Phil uh, trickle down and result in better results moving forward for some of the blue chips here in Singapore. And perhaps also just uh, sh- underpinning this uh, modest but uh, pretty solid move up for the STI now at 3,178. And can I raise the question now? Is 3,200 perhaps a bridge too far <laughs> for us? But you know what? Pat on the back, especially given the fact that we look set to, to end four out of the last five days in the green. It has been a busy week of news and marketing movements, market movements, marketing movements. Movements, market movements and policy announcements. Now, unexpectedly, of course, the central bank yesterday tightened its monetary policy settings at its half-yearly review yesterday, citing accumulating external and domestic cost pressures. Bucking the market consensus, uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore moved to raise slightly the slope of the Singapore dollar nominal effective exchange rate policy band up from a flat or zero slope. Jeff, did they get it right? Yeah, you know, um, the the currency moved, it moved, I don't know, three-tenths of a percent very quickly on the announcement. So as you said, it was a surprise. But what was interesting was that over that yesterday, I guess over that 24 hours of the full trading day yesterday, You had third-quarter advanced GDP estimates, which um, Ministry of Trade and Industry released, and as JP noted just before, that was actually pretty strong, driven, I think, in part as well by modern services, and particularly information and communications industry, that industry itself. You had the continued US monetary focus on policy normalisation, as shown in the FOMC minutes. And then the third key release yesterday, the China producer prices, which were high and led by high energy prices. So all three of those key data prints or uh, events yesterday, it did exemplify those MAS motivations for slightly raising the, the slope of the of the exchange rate policy band. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at it in the, in the course of, I guess, in the context of those key releases that came out, it did come across the right thing to do and to err on the side of caution uh, with the rising energy prices and, and food prices rather than, um, rather than throwing caution to the wind, obviously. So, nevertheless, it's been, for the overall stock market, a pretty good week. The SDI began the week near 31.20 at tested 3090 lows on Tuesday before trading higher, I think, Wednesday and Thursday, and it's made its intra-week high for the four-and-a-half sessions so far this week at 3180. So so that represents as well quite a lot of vibrancy because that's a 90-point trading range just for the week alone. And for context, that compares to a 70-point trading range for the STI for the entire month of September. Now, interesting too that... Um, as JP was saying, the bank earnings in the US have come out, but has that impacted the bank's share price? Well, maybe not as much because the 2 to 10 US yield curve in the US, since, I guess, when you look at it over the course of the week, it's flattened quite a bit. It's flattened from very close to 130 basis points 
to near 115 basis points at the moment. And that, that explains why the flatter yield curve uh, is, is not so good for banks. Steeper yield curve is better for banks. And that also explains why DBS, OCBC and UOB this week have averaged 1.5% gains well, if you look at the remaining 27 STI constituents, they have more than doubled that with average gains of 3.3% through to the morning session close. So that's pretty much the same story globally with global banks flat over the week. Uh, despite, as, as JP mentioned, the earnings growth reported last night by US banks, it's the flattening of the US yield curve which has had an impact. I think also if you look into, into the STI, what's happening is you've got Jardine Cycle and Carriage and Singapore Airlines have been among the strongest STI stocks this week. I think Jardine CNC is now up something like 23% since the 28th of September, which is very much in line with Astra International in Indonesia, which has gained the same. And you've got the Jakarta Composite Index as well gaining broadly, I think up 9% over over that time period. So I guess the, the the key announcement on Saturday that eight more countries will be added to the vaccinated travel lanes, it helps us, I guess, to keep connected to global supply chains, preserve the country's hub status, but also opening, opening that airport. Um, SIA, Singapore Airlines, our national carrier, has gained 9% this week. SATS and SIA Engineering are up 5 and 6% respectively. And then on the hospitality front, uh, Gunting Singapore has gained 8%. And our three most traded hospitality trusts, Ascot Residence, CDL Hospitality Trust and Far East Hospitality, they've gained uh, 6%, 9% and 4% respectively. Um, meanwhile as well, a really key thing is those at-home strategic initiatives to boost shareholder and I guess indeed unit holder value has uh, has seen ESR and ARA Logos Logistics Trust propose a merger to form ESR Logos REIT, which would see ESR Logos REIT um, among the top 10 largest S-REITs we have by free float market cap and would also see this new entity have a greater representation in the FTSE APRINARI Global Developed Index. I guess the, the, among the benefits highlighted by the managers of both ARA Logos and ESR, they include, um, I guess, a core focus on the new economy real estate in those logistics high-specs industrial type of properties uh, reduced tenant concentration risks, and uh, I think they, 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 yeah, they also mentioned that the proposed merger distribution per unit would be accretive on an FY20 pro forma basis. Um, so lots happening, and then of course there's the energy stocks. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, sorry, I just catch my breath. <laughs> well, catch your breath. Um, I, I didn't think we'd see uh, Brent crude oil going over eighty dollars a barrel. Mm. Yeah, $84.60 at the moment. Globally, it's interesting, right? Globally, the oil stocks have been strong, but the coal and energy stocks were more muted this week. But when you look at our, our three SGX-listed Indonesia-based coal explorer and producers, two of them export that some of their coal to China. So Geo Energy Resources and Golden Energy and Resources have seen respective returns of 13% and 9% over their week. And in their FY20s, which was the calendar 2020 year, um, Geo Energy Resources, it reported two-thirds of its revenue to China, while Golden Energy and Resources re reported something like 30% of its revenue to China. And then we have the catalyst listed Black Gold Natural Resources, which does not export to China and has been more aligned with the global coal benchmark indices this week and, and more or less unchanged. Now, Geo Energy Resources also noted this week that 
with the Indonesia Coal Index, I think the ICI4, reaching a record high on the 8th of October. It, it noted it expects its second half performance to be much stronger than the first half, with revenue expected to exceed either 700 million US or up to $1 billion for the whole year. So that coal impact has obviously had a pretty strong extended move in our stocks over the past week, and that's in particular those two that obviously export to China. But for the two oil and gas explorer and producers that are among our most traded, Rex International is up 22% for the week, RH Petrogas is up 5%, um, and as we said, um, price of crude is, is Brent crude is what, around 84.60 at the moment, and that's up from 82.40 on the New York close Friday last week. And we also saw OPEC's monthly report this week slightly trim its 2021 growth forecast, but importantly kept the 2022 forecast in line with its previous uh, growth projections. Yeah, you know, interesting. And I just wanted to add, it's not just rising coal that's supporting geoenergy. I'm sure you took note of that huge surge that we saw in their intraday price yesterday, Jeff. Them retiring all of their U.S. dollar-denominated bonds also yep. eliminates a lot of that currency risk and possible risks from the stronger greenback that was really highlighted by the offshore bonds that we have been worrying about with regards to China ever in the last couple of weeks. Geoenergy saying, hey, you know what, that currency risk, we've taken that off of our balance sheet. It's now stronger. So you have that one-two punch really supporting geoenergy. Going Going back to coal, though, I think it's also interesting that oil and coal prices are heading up, not just because of this global economic recovery, but also because a lot of these power producers around the world are scrambling to try and fill and meet this potential energy shortage that's hitting China and Europe, natural gas, coal. Um, coal demand is being uh, factored in to try and meet some of these gaps, crude oil as well. But I think some of the big questions also, it's it's a bit ironic that this is happening ahead of the COP26 meeting also, and we're about to talk about a move towards greener or sustainable energy, because it's also highlighting just how tricky and how complicated it is to really make that sustainable shift towards cleaner sources of fuel. Um, just looking at how coal and oil are going up today, I mean, in the last couple of days, yes, um, energy prices and uh, energy-linked stocks might actually benefit quite handsomely. But again, it does also highlight that, you know, it's not going to be a very smooth transition, it looks like. That's exactly right. Well, not exactly. Well, not yet, yeah, anyway. Not exactly. Not exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is it, Jeff? Yeah, we? <laughs> I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. Uh, it's a critique or a. It's an effort to try and slam the efforts towards moving towards green energy. But I think nobody said that the road would be easy at all. And I think this is just a a, a clear example of just how difficult the transition might might be to make. Um, not something we should abandon, perhaps. But uh, definitely, it's good. It's good. To, you, we're taking a lot more hits, basically. It's as we not move something that. that we have uh, that we can abandon. We no, have to move right. forward on this. Right. It's just going to take some time because there are so many considerations, macro and micro, for everyone, for for the globe and for the countries, and then for you know when you get down into communities itself. Right. So it's it's just going to be. It's, it's just going to be very challenging. I'm glad I'm not a decision maker. We just report the I'm, news. I'm glad I don't live in the Northern Hemisphere where you might be facing a much colder winter if you have these energy shortages for these houses. Well, if that was the case, I would, you know, chop down the trees that surround my house <laughs> in the States. But that's completely, so <laughs> completely a different Well, further subject. up the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Jeff. What are we doing next week? Uh, we got, okay. Oh, wait, hold on. Together, I, this is week. actually, this is very important. No. Jeff Howie is on leave for the next two weeks. That's what he's doing. We are replacing him with a younger, cuter model. <laughs> you heard it from her, not me, no. okay? <laughs> very, 
I'll yeah. miss you, Jeff. But it's a much-deserved leave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so other than the fact that we don't have Jeff Howie for the next two weeks... Not X. Um, w- yeah. What are we looking forward to, JP? Not X. On, on 8.30 Monday morning, not X. Expected to grow, I think, around 8.5% year-on-year in September. So it will make for the 10th consecutive year-on-year expansion. Uh, and that uh, basically on a month-on-month basis, I think it's expected to be unchanged in September from August after it did decline in August from July by something like 3.5%. And then, obviously, on Monday, uh, you've got China releasing its third quarter GDP mm-hmm. at 10 a.m., set retail sales and industrial production also released. And those past two monthly releases of retail sales and industrial production have shown some deceleration in growth, which is uh, you know primarily attributed to China's staunch zero COVID-19 policy. And I think uh, we start to get some business updates and uh, earnings releases from some of the REITs here in uh, in Singapore, Jeff. If I'm not mistaken, Ascendus REIT set to release on Tuesday based on some of the calendars I'm seeing and also Capitaline Integrated Commercial Trust and SunTech perhaps on Friday. Yeah, yeah we've, got, we've, got, uh, we've got all these business updates. Can you believe we're at earnings season soon. again? <laughs> yeah. So Ascendus will be on Tuesday after, after trading hours. All right. Well, I'm going to check in on you in the middle of the week to make sure that you're not paying attention, Jeff. No, no, I will be definitely, <laughs> and look forward to it. And and we have a we have a great team of research analysts at SGX who are very competent and really looking forward to being on the program next week. And some of them are better looking than you are. <laughs> much, much. <laughs> we look forward to your lieutenants coming to join us, Jeff. <laughs> this has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with finance presenter JP Ong. And although we do rag on him, we do love him. Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX. Gentlemen, have a fantastic weekend. You are with Singapore's most influential radio station. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.